Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, traders. Welcome to the 77th episode of the Performante Podcast. It is January 18th, 2022. Hopefully your Q1 is off to a great start. I know that it is not off to a great start for Bitcoin and the larger financial markets as a whole. But that's enough doom and gloom. No need to talk about that. We have a we have an interesting episode, let's say. Uh, we're going to be talking about cybersecurity, cyber safety, how you can keep yourself safe online, and how other people have been failing to do so. Learning from example is one of the best ways to learn in the modern day environment. And ultimately, we have some interesting stories to share from the four corners of the crypto sphere. So my name is Nathan. As always, Keith is with us. And uh, I'll just pass it off to jump right into the first story concerning cybersecurity. The first story we're going to get into is probably one that you've seen on YouTube. It is the you send me one Bitcoin, I'll send you two. You've probably seen Michael Saylor's I'm putting air quotes in the air of like his discussion or his um, event where he wants to, I guess you could say, increase the adoption of BTC. And the way he does that is giving away free money is what the scammers have created. And I did see a podcast of him recently where he says he is actively creating a team to actually take these down, but they are popping up faster than his team is actually able to find and shut them down. So it's pretty unbelievable. And you see like Elon, uh, Elon's, kind of image portrayed in these videos as well and all these major figures in crypto and this particular wallet that has been con in connection with these scams received a single payment of 26 bitcoin and received because you can see it through the blockchain received a total amount of 87 btc which is unbelievable uh, this person managed to earn 3.6 million dollars from a single video which is just unbelievable and this i think is something that most people will not hopefully um, get negatively impacted by, but is still something that um, a lot of people just entering this space or don't really have an understanding that like you can't really like revert back the tokens. So um, might be a little bit blatantly obvious for the people who have been in this space for a while, but for the new crypto enthusiasts who are listening now, there will never be a time really that you'll be able to send money and you'll get free money in return or double the money in return. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. Yes, there are airdrops. We'll go over the potential risks that are involved in those airdrops. But if you see something, if you see a key figure anywhere in social media, anywhere on the internet stating that if you send me one Bitcoin, I'll send you two or whatever like that, it is probably going to be a scam. So definitely stay safe out there. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Um, ultimately, I think blockchain adds another level of transparency to this. You can see the money coming in, coming out. There are some people speculating with this story that perhaps it's an abstract take of money laundering, a different rendition of I lost my crypto in a boating accident. Instead, you lost your crypto to a YouTube scam. Ultimately, I don't think I would ever fall for this because I used to play RuneScape back in the day. And when somebody said they would take you out to the wasteland, double your gold, you'd just end up dead with no gear. So I think there's some life lessons to be taken away from RuneScape within the context of crypto is if someone tells you it's a uh, free money, it's an opportunity, double your wealth, uh, run away and run away fast because they'll probably take it and you'll never see them again. Uh, and so to bridge into our next story, we're coming out of the crypto.com atmosphere. Uh, as our listeners know, we love the CRO atmosphere, but we are uh, disappointed, I guess you could say that there is a small number of users who reported suspicious activity on their accounts. Simply put, some Ethereum 
as well as other cryptocurrencies basically just disappeared from various internals account or from various people's account one public profile that this happened to is ben baller he's a cryptocurrency enthusiast uh, and he lost 4.28 eth in the exploit they have said that all the funds are safe there is going to be no issues and everything will be returned i don't even know if returned is the right word it's kind of a, a very vague situation crypto.com hasn't provided that much information into what actually happened but there was some on-chain data to suggest that a whole bunch of ethereum basically got uh, sent through tornado cash tornado cash is essentially a money laundering service where the funds get diffused across a whole bunch of wallets and then integrated back into fresh ones. And so it's kind of interesting to see the lack of accountability, I guess you could say, coming out of crypto.com. Because, for example, when Binance has had security issues, they're super uh, high profile and transparent with what's happening. And crypto.com, at least from like the Twitter side of things, basically just said suspicious activity. Funds are safe. It's a limited number of users that are experiencing suspicious activity uh, versus like the mass hand reaction that we've seen with other conglomerates like Binance. Uh, it's definitely not the best look on their perspective. And at least from the consumer side of things, I don't think I had any crypto missing from mycrypto.com. I looked around. It seems like everything's there. Uh, but they are making you reset and reintegrate your Google two-factor authentication, I guess, just as a preemptive step. Again, no real clear explanation as to what happened, why it happened, and kind of the outlook for the future of the security for the crypto.com platform. Yeah, well said. It's kind of interesting how these different centralized exchanges are going to be handling um, hacks or uh, situations where they're either faced with being transparent or kind of shutting out the outside world and trying to resolve it themselves. It'd be interesting to see what Sam Bankman-Fried does if there is an ever case FTX when that happens. I kind of think he's going to veer towards the more CZ transparency side, but um, hopefully we'll never be able to see what he comes down to. So moving on to the next thing, we're going to be talking about Doge. It has uh, a single wallet with more than 23% of all the circulating supply which is, in short, a massive, massive whale for this particular um, circulating supply for Doge, which is pretty unbelievable. And to give you a little bit of a comparison, when you're looking at BTC, for example, there is a cold wallet that holds approximately 1.4% of the circulating supply. And for Ethereum, there is a, a deposit contract which holds around 7.6% of the Ethereum within the uh, circulating supply. So we do see that some wallets are massive whales, in comparison to the market cap, but 23% of the entire supply is enough that you could basically capitulate it to almost zero or zero. At a certain point, there's going to be massive fear, but you hold a quarter of all the supply. And if you look at the market cap of Doge, you could basically create a rug pull type event. So for anyone who is a long-term investor in Doge, uh, definitely watch out. And it's really interesting if you look at the major promoter of the actual project, Elon, obviously, and he's a major promoter of Dogecoin, which is very surprising. He's talked about be, uh, Doge being better than Bitcoin on a podcast, which is kind of unfathomable with his level of intelligence, I'd say. But overall, something to watch out for. It's not like the individual is guaranteed to sell, but it's something to keep in mind. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's one kind of red flag that when you're searching through these contracts on 
uh, Ether scan that you can see all the token holders, and that's definitely something to keep in mind if it is kind of centralized within one wallet. Because before you know it, the rug could get pil- rug could get pulled. And there was speculation that perhaps this wallet belongs to Robinhood because they do have so many users who love that meme coin. But there was an article posted back in May that the Robinhood CEO said, hey, look, that's not us. We don't even hold that much crypto for the assets we offer, which in itself is kind of convoluted because <laughs> um, yeah. they're like, yo, fractional reserve banking, but make it crypto. Let's go. Uh, but that's a time that, that that's a talk for another time. So that is an individual who has that wallet. Uh, the institutions have said, hey, look, it's not us. And only time will tell what will happen with Dogecoin because it's been around so long. I feel like that person is probably just like a basement dweller in uh, his mom's basement that's like, I can never sell diamond hands. <laughs> it's worth billions, diamond hands. Um, and so <laughs> to move into, like every night. <laughs> yeah, it's like the World of Warcraft players in South Park shitting on a plate. Mom! <laughs> And so uh, to segue into our next talk, we are going to be discussing MetaMask, kind of the pros and cons. I think MetaMask has really grown to be one of the most iconic web wallets available on both Google Chrome and mobile devices. Super easy, and I think it brought a lot of people specifically into the NFT space. But there are some precautions that we wanted to talk about. Uh, And so when you initially connect your wallet to a protocol and you hit that allow spending button, that is a permanent choice. That is a permanent choice until you pay the gas fees to reverse it. And so, for example, when you're interacting with a smart contract to mint an NFT, when you hit that mint button, that protocol, that smart contract has permanent ability to access all of the funds and tokens in your wallet. So that includes your NFTs, that includes your Ethereum, that includes whatever you might have within that MetaMask wallet. So nothing is safe. So that is a very uh, common security precaution you see within the space is that, hey, if you're going to be participating in a live minting event, um, spend the extra gas to get a fresh Ethereum address such that it's damage control. If that account is compromised, if the smart contract is bad, the only thing that can be taken are the contents of that wallet. I feel like that's a basic principle of like trading risk management. Keep your losses small, but just applying it in a different niche within the scope of like NFT minting or even airdrops. Airdrops have been super popular recently. We saw Looks Rare that was an easy $3,000 that I got. Um, there's that gas one uh, that if you paid, a, I think it was over $1,200 in gas fees you qualified for, as well as SOS. Those have kind of been the big three on the Ethereum network. Basically, if you just interacted with OpenSea and incurred a whole bunch of gas fees. And a lot of people on Twitter, before they interacted with those smart contracts, were waiting for developers to quickly scan over the smart contract, ensure there was no like inappropriate spending, spending programs or anything like that, just to ensure. And I think that's a really good point is when you come across like a new contract or a mint, Try and look up the ticker or the project on Twitter and see if someone with that programming, with that solidity experience has vetted it and like ensured like, yeah, okay, it's good to go. It's safe because once you hit that mint or that spend funds or whatever it may be, it has access permanently. And this is true with all web wallets as far as I know, whether it be Phantom for Solana or MetaMask, because MetaMask, you can use Binance Smart Chain, you can use Ethereum, you can use the Phantom Opera, you can use Avalanche. And so that's really like, I feel like the one that's most popular, but that functionality is true for most web wallets. 
it's kind of an innate feature of like the web three structure is once you're connected, you're connected for better or for worse, I guess you could say. Yeah, some very good points stated there, definitely. Um, in short, diversification is not bad. If you are on any other network other than Ethereum, the amount of headaches and the amount of risk you are putting yourself out of is well worth it. The only kind of caveat in the crypto realm for reducing risk of like smart contract risk or connecting to different uh, um, platforms would be if you're on Ethereum because obviously you have to incur transaction fees when you're actually exiting out of the hot wallet. I guess you could say into a wallet that's more of a cold storage if you even are um, keeping it on an extension, which I would not recommend, but really good points there. Moving on to some more discussion related with smart contracts or um, more like scammers, regulations, rug pulls, all that stuff. We're going to be talking about Certic. It is basically an auditor that audits smart contracts, that audits projects. And kind of Nathan and I were talking about how, to, how it's really a conflict of interest when you have auditors that are paid to really audit a project, but then the more they audit, the more money they are able to generate. And it's kind of like we had, it's kind of similar to what we had during the uh, global financial crisis when you had all these auditors that are generating income and because the entire system is to some degree corrupt you're not going to be able to kind of have your full you're not going to be able to have your full ability to audit properly because of the fact that your business could go to somewhere else um, if you ever saw the big short uh, i think it explains it very well if you are not going to take on the client the client will move to the next door where they're not going to have uh, I guess you could say they're not going to have the same level of ethical standards, so then they'll be able to pass the audit to whatever authoritative uh, regulatory passage they need to, and that's kind of a conflict of interest. So be careful out there. Just because it's be it's audited by a certain entity does not mean that it's a guarantee that it's not going to be a rug pull. Yeah, I feel like that's been the theme this episode. Nothing is promised, and don't trust these uh, these audit firms just because it's stamped on it makes it look official in fact a lot of like the token generators like if you go to like i think it's bsc tokengenerator.net or something like that and you can make those hyper deflationary meme coins that were popular last year um, those will by default pass a security regulation check because it's the same code copy and pasted with just the variables changed um, and so that's the kind of thing that you really got to look out for. Just because it's got the stamp of approval, you got to look who's providing that stamp of approval. Mm -hmm. And so we have uh, two more stories here to get into. This one's about Spider-Man No Way Home. I haven't seen the movie, but uh, this story is pretty entertaining. There was uh, illegal copies being circulated on torrent sites. Uh, and there was some data that came to light that it was actually uh, including exclusions to allow a Bitcoin miner to work in the background, steal your CPU power and funnel the Bitcoin uh, to other people's wallets. Um, and it was actually, it's kind of interesting. When you looked on the like Windows processes, uh, it looked like a Windows updater or Discord app. Uh, and it also added an exclusion into Windows Defender such that it wouldn't be caught. So it was a very smart little piece of malware that I don't really think it did anything other than mine Bitcoin, but that in itself could be pretty predatory to like your processing power, the amount of electricity required to keep the device functional. Uh, and overall, it's like, uh, 
a very dystopian consequence of trying to watch a Spider-Man movie. Like, damn, I just wanted to watch Spider-Man, and now my computer has HIV and it's mining <laughs> Bitcoin for people in Uganda. No offense to the people in Uganda, but it's definitely like a, a dystopian cyber threat, basically, because Spider-Man is so wholesome, but infecting people's malware so they mine Bitcoin for you is not as wholesome, per se. And uh, it's just kind of like a, a shocking reminder of if you're involved in crypto, you need to have up-to-date antivirus, and you... A, should no, if you're going to torrent, not saying that you should, because that's frowned upon, <laughs> but if you are going to torrent, you should be intelligent about it. You probably shouldn't open shit that you don't understand. Lo and behold, Windows Defender and Malwarebytes can probably get you out of most sticky situations, um, but this is propagating across the internet right now, so pay for the movie, don't try and download it online, and hopefully your computer won't get AIDS. <laughs> Very well said. Don't click on things you don't know. <laughs> Definitely some good advice. So, sticking on the scam train, the biggest scam of all, the U.S. dollar, Federal Reserve, really just the entire traditional system, the trad system. Inflation hits a 7%. Um, so, what this means is the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, which is a measure of the difference between the year before's uh, basket of goods, or sorry, yeah, the year before's basket of goods versus this year's basket of goods. So then the CPI for December was the comparison versus 2020 and 2021 versus a basket of goods, and there was an increase of 7%, and this was the highest since 1982. And this was the great inflation where it was around 1982 when Paul Walker had to go into the Federal Reserve, jack up interest rates, and everyone hated him at the time. People even like sent him keys because they can't afford the car or like keys to the houses saying you raise interest rates so high, I can't pay for my car, I can't pay for my house as a kind of a statement basically. Um, but in the end, history showed that that was the correct thing to do. So kind of sticking to the scam theme, I guess you could say, this is really the ultimate scam because although you do see asset prices increase and everyone feel like they are getting richer if you are able to hold financial assets. Really, if you are comparing it against the amount of money that is being printed, aka M2, you're actually flat. For example, stocks have not hit an all-time high since the dot-com boom. NASDAQ has not hit an all-time high since the dot-com boom, which is pretty unbelievable. So, Stay, stay safe out there. Um, this is probably going to be like the number one thing that we're going to be watching out for in the global macro space. But I think that there's nothing that they can really do. Um, at the end of the day, if they shut down the entire economy and then printed their way out of it, basically, which everyone was thinking that it's going to be a massive deflationary event, um, that trick has worked time and time again. If you look at the global financial crisis, if you look at COVID, that trick has worked each time and the times before that, except right now they can't lower interest rates. So the only thing that they can do is fis fiscal stimulus, which is basically printing money, can't really do anything with interest rates. I don't think they're going to go negative. So they're in a very tricky predicament, but at the end of the day, holding cash long-term is a guaranteed negative return on your investment. Said wisely like the man Dalio, cash is trash, not the place to be. Uh, and so I think that is a great place to end the 77th episode of the Performante podcast. We wanted to keep this one light 
lighthearted, include some memes. Hopefully you guys had a laugh because uh, there's nothing too exciting from kind of the market dynamics perspective, not seeing a clear direction in the crab market. Not what we wanted to see from Bitcoin starting off Q1, but hey, it is what it is. It's Bitcoin's world and we're just living in it. So stay safe, take care, and talk to you next time, everyone.